0: to the Doing Design Podcast on This Is HCD, hosted by all the world's best live design and innovation trainers at thisisdoing.com. The Doing Design Podcast focuses on all the behind-the-scenes things related to actually doing innovation and in design, such as design research, facilitation, prototyping, visualisation, and it's a great sounding board for the likes of service design, user experience, content design, product management, business analysis, and so much more. In this episode, you'll hear from myself and our wonderful Agile expert at this is doing, Daniela Decker. We chat about the common misconceptions about what it means to do and to be Agile and cover off parts where things get a little bit weird when it comes to the interpretation of what it means to be Agile and Agility and so forth. Let's jump straight in. Guten Morgen, Daniela, how are you?
1: Hi, Jerry. Guten Morgen. I'm really good. Thank you
0: yeah i'm uh I'm learning a little bit of german uh I figure when you work with a team of Germans it's always nice to have a little bit of German in your vocabulary
1: like at least the basic formal words that everyone can like build upon yeah awesome
0: I think everyone should learn another language it's something that i've wanted to do for a while so I think german might be a good a good stop for me but um we'' we're, we're gonna be chatting a bit more around agility today what it means to be agile um so, you know, I'm going to ask you, because within this is doing, you're, you're our Agile expert, shall we say. Um, Organizations and their addiction to becoming Agile, where does that come from?
1: Well, I mean, all the organizations now, they're facing like severe need to change, right? So basically every CEO understands now, okay, we need to get more flexible, we need to get faster, so everyone has got like kind of these agility topics on their company agenda hmm. but very often i i've got the feeling that no one really like knows what happens if you really want to go down that road so hmm. there's a lot lot of myths a lot of confusion a lot of buzzwords and that's hmm. kind of tricky when it comes to agility
0: is there um sort of a, a miscommunication of what it means to be agile out there because I've read the Agile Manifesto years ago and mm-hmm. when I go into organizations I go, well, we're working agile and, uh, you know, we use Scrum and, um, and I'm like, okay, there's there's lots of different terminology that seems to be very, kind of, closed and just uh, accessible to a few. Not everyone seems to, one, understand the original intention of what mm-hmm. it means to be agile. And two, all this language that has kind of spurred off the back of it uh, can be quite difficult for people to get their heads around.
1: Definitely. So, I mean, it comes from software development, right? That's where Scrum evolved and everyone's Mm. like now in the organizations, um, everyone tries now to like get pieces of that, right? So to get the effects of those methods and like scaling them to other parts of the organizations or, or even use parts of the agile methods for um for change projects so i often find a lot of myths a lot of miscommunication and i what i really really um miss in all those agile topics is the discussion about the values that like are behind the agile manifesto Mm. and also the principles so if you if you really get that into organizations like implementing those values in a good and, and contingent way, then it, it, it's quite easy for, for companies to get more flexible and the, the positive effects of the agility methods. But um, most of the companies now just look at the methods, think mm. if they implement some scrum, kanban or whatever methods, then agility comes by itself and it actually yeah. doesn't. And I that's mean, what the big problem is.
0: Yeah. Like organizations can buy a couple of agile books and hire an agile coach, uh, and in my my experience, they kind of go, "Okay, we're we're doing it because we've got we've got this this knowledge in the business." But what does it mean on a day to day basis? So, what does an agile organization look like?
1: I mean, that's my answer to that question, right? But if you are if you're managing to implement those values on a really good way on team level basis mm. right the agile values like transparency respect all of that if you are if you're managing to implement those on a day-to-day basis so that the team knows actually how they interact what their the like the, the, the scope is yeah. and how they actually evolve over time so working agile is a lot about inspect and adapt right learning developing team development so if you get that down onto team level and the team has really got like the the, the self-organized spirit so that they can take decisions then it, it works but in most organizations this doesn't really happen so mm. the, the freedom actually to take decisions the freedom to evolve to learn to mm. all of those those things, doesn't it, it's not really lived that way and that's why the effects are not coming yeah. up so you you can't see them because it's not um built into the whole ecosystem of the company in a good way
0: it seems like the rituals that go alongside the agile mm-hmm. framework are there for a reason to try and enable the verb of being agile <laughs> yes. and very rarely do i see those those rituals can be seen as kind of control and command in many many instances so where where is the disconnect happening and who who is causing it
1: in i think the company cultures right that haven't like built agile into all of the levels of a company right mm. that's that's where the big roadblock comes in because there are some mid management level that wants to have control, that wants to really understand what's happening, that mm-hmm. wants to know when projects are finished, right? And if it's really if you're really working agile in that way, it's not always that easy. So that's where the disconnect happens between the team level and the management level. So um, in, in many ways, agile ma- methods are built in. They, uh, the, the rituals, like the daily stand-ups and so are built in But I just very often feel teams are just repeating those rituals, not really knowing why they're doing it and what's the effect that they actually want to get out of those rituals. Mm. And that's where the myths and the misconception comes in, right? Mm. Because someone on mid-management level is then asking you, what's happening in those daily stand-ups? Or have you done a retrospective or whatever? So that's Mm. where the big disconnect happens in my point of view.
0: Hmm. so where where does that come from that whole kind of the disconnect does it come from uh the person as part of the team or does it come from the management side of things who, who can actually change how that's actually working
1: i often compare agility like to taking over responsibility it needs two sides right? Mm -hmm. So Agile is all about self-organization and teams that um, take over responsibility. Self-organization. Yes. So if if teams want to take over responsibility, right? So it needs two sides. It needs the management level that actually drops the ball to the teams, right? Mm -hmm. And the teams then actually take over those stuff that they need to do, right? And really like commit to those the things that they promise to the management mm-hmm. so it needs two sides We're like trust yeah management trusts trust in the teams right yeah. and the teams that actually are committed to their work and to the stuff they are doing so this is this is both sides and this is very often where the disconnect happens so teams that sometimes have a fear of taking over responsibility or management level that it's not like really giving teams permission to actually take over decisions or mm. um, implement stuff so there's mm. where where the trust is lacking
0: yeah i mean trust is a huge thing right and it's, it's definitely you know something that we have placed at the center of this is doing whenever we're building the business trust is 100 uh it, it has to be earned for a start okay but um, I see the importance of trust because off the back of that, respect is associated like, you know, I, I trust you to be able to to do these things and so forth. But within organizations, I see sometimes leadership kind of going, well, we, we trust our people to do these things. And then they display the behaviors off the back of it that show that they don't trust them. Mm-hmm. So, and that kind of erodes any of the, the kind of self um it's a word I'm looking for here, like where they can actually go ahead and achieve it themselves and uh, they have to ask for questions and ask for permission in the future and so forth. But self-organization is at the heart of what it means to be agile for me, um, to be able to, you know, do something and get it done. Trust uh, needs to be within the mix as well. What are the contributing factors that um, organizations can look at to help build trust? Like what what do they need to focus on?
1: Well, I mean, um, the whole process of team development Mm. is is a huge factor in that piece because self-organization, right, happens within that team in the first place, right? So Mm. at at that point, it really needs to, the, the team needs to be enabled to take decisions, to disagree, to give each other feedback, right? And that builds trust over time. So there's a lot about team development in the agile piece. So that the team actually builds trust over time and knows how to resolve conflict and to reflect and and to like really um, yeah evolve and and uh, develop a good team spirit over time. Mm. So that's one piece, and I often um, feel that's that's missing in the agile discussion. It's it's sometimes a big method discussion, but mm. the team development piece is missing. So that's the one piece. Yeah. And if it comes to management, right, you can ask yourself, yeah, if you're a manager, a mid-level manager, and you're giving your team, um, permission to do stuff, so you can ask yourself, so where's my role in that whole game? Right. Mm. So that might be a tricky question to solve in mm. the organization. So trust needs to come from management levels as well, so that you know. Mm. You're being needed, right? When, when the team is evolving over time and gets like more self organized and does their work themselves. So it needs for, for management level, it needs to be really something, yeah, where they know, okay, I'm, if I like develop my team and if I help them get better, there will be a place for me in the organization, even if like my role won't be needed in the future anymore. So that's one piece as well. OK, and that's a tricky one to, to answer.
0: Yeah, it, it is kind of hard. One of the other pieces that um, I'm keen to get your opinion on is the fascination to run in sprints and the sprints being fixed in time. Um, is, am I right in saying that in the Agile Manifesto that, you know, if, you, if you're working at three week sprints and so forth and they're like, OK, time's up. We're like, oh, if you only had an extra couple of days, we could actually achieve a lot more, and so forth. There was this inflexibility happening. Well, what happened there? Well, where where does it get all a bit weird?
1: <laughs> well, I mean, the sprint helps you like really getting something out into the market on time, right? And mm. if you look at projects, I mean, in the companies not working with agile, like the deadlines are always like getting uh, like pushed further and further and further. So right. Mm the sprints are trying to solve that and of course i mean there's a lot of discussion then yeah could we use up more time or could we like change the length of the sprints but it's intended yeah to like solve that problem of bringing something to the market and then also learn again not only like delivering stuff but also learn again reflect again where we are as mm-hmm. a team what do we need to do better mm-hmm. so um in my experience, it's a good way of working because you're really not like putting your, your head up onto things that are like not relevant to achieving your goal. So you're really bringing something out into the market, getting feedback in again. So you know, actually that you, um, like working, or that you've been working on something that's relevant. So that's why I'm a big fan of that. But of course, there's always that
0: discussion. Mm. Um and another thing where I'm saying where it gets a little bit weird and funky for me, is the 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 way it's been used tends to just uh be like a machine, and um it's just keep 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 on ticking over, ticking over. Whereas this pressure and this whole kind of uh, addiction to shipping and um you know demonstrating our our time x you know equated mm-hmm. to this and so forth. But taking a step back um, and kind of going, okay, the retrospection and the reflection piece uh is is often not done. Mm-hmm. I've worked in teams way back in Australia where it was just like relentless mm-hmm. and um it was having an effect on the team. We're like, okay, cool. We we would the sprint would end on say like a, a Tuesday or Wednesday, and we're like, okay, cool. And then we might do a retro on a Thursday, and we're like, okay, it would be nice if we just had a bit of a calm day to sh- play pool or just go for lunch and celebrate what we've done. not right. straight back into it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so, yeah like, I get that. So. Like, and um, I, I see, I see. That's kind of like a respect piece that comes from the organization. They're like, no, you're we're bringing you in. You're doing your work. You know, work harder. And like, <laughs> you know, don't be smiling when you're working. <laughs> that kind of that kind of approach and. I don't know where that came from because I I don't feel that that was part of the original Agile manifesto.
1: Yeah. I totally agree. So, um there are two two sides to it. First of all, like the, the uh, it, using that scrum framework, yeah, mm. and and the Agile manifesto um uh, underneath it. There's a big piece of self-organization and actually like pull factor, meaning mm. that once you like, um, start getting into the sprint, like talking about work and talking about the stuff that, that needs to come in that sprint, so that actually the power is in the team to actually say, right, we can do this or that in the sprint and we might want to have some, some uh, time to actually reflect or whatever, right, because we need it as a team. And I often feel like that whole piece of like, pull and the power to the team is Mm. not something that happens in reality it's just something that's written on slides Mm -hmm. so that's where it might come from like the 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 conception of yeah like pressure and delivery pressure and all of that Mm. so um and that's kind of where the tricky side of agility is and if it comes to retrospectives, right? Yeah, my favorite um,
0: part of the retros. I always loved retro because I can point and go, you did that and that annoyed <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Don't do that again.
1: <laughs> that, that's that's always the thing, right? So that's yes. actually the, the um, technique where the learning happens, right? But that's mm. also where conflict happens, oh, yeah. right? And that's also, so you need to have really good, Um, way of working within your team that the retrospective is effective otherwise Mm. team members are just not showing up any longer to retros right or i also had teams that are they don't even do the retros because of time but they just do the retros maybe when there is a problem so whenever that email comes with the invite to the retrospective right everyone in the team is like oh no there is another problem so i don't want to attend this meeting any longer So That's not how it's intended.
0: I mean, the retros in organizations where they don't have uh, a psychological safe space um, are very, very dangerous spaces to be in for people. Yeah. Um, and it's too often. It's it's never really considered. I'm like, where else other than this, than this room where we're going to have this retro, are you allowed to do that stuff? And typically it's not. So, um, and you know, if you're in one of those environments or one of those organizations, it's kind of, the retros are very superficial. They're just like, yeah, everything's fine. Everything's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, what advice do you give to people who are in organizations at like that? Because that that doesn't help anyone when they just stay quiet and they're going to go, everything was fine. Like it was fine that you emailed me at midnight, uh, two nights ago and yeah. telling me I'd lose my job if I didn't do this. That was fine. I was it was okay. I didn't, I didn't need sleep. Um, <laughs> you know what advice to give to people that cuz the retros are so important and to me they're they're never really given the the credence that they deserve
1: first of all i'm not someone who is implementing agile in a way of a of a dogma right mm. so um i'm quite open so meaning the team i'm currently running with yeah if we Think that a retrospective at this point doesn't make sense or even if i'm asked to to moderate a meeting and i've got the feeling that we we are just doing those retros to to like tick the box right hmm. then i i'll be really um then i'll just skip those meetings then i'll tell people yeah. well just yeah save your time do something that makes more sense
0: yeah how have you seen it happen online because um with the whole global pandemic, it's harder to do it in a more of a psychological safe space. I remember mm-hmm. I worked with a brilliant person, I'm gonna give him a shout out, Alani Hammond, who is down in Cochlear in Australia, when I worked in uh we worked in a great project together. Alani um was a big fan of the walking retros. And um, we'd go out and about and we'd sit in a park and I'm like, does this make it any better when I have to start pointing the fingers at like, you know, team members? <laughs> and do you know what it actually kind of did when you're sitting amongst trees and you're talking about stuff and walking around with your team, it was it felt a little bit easier to open up. So yep. um that was one approach that I I liked. But I guess can you kind of find it hard to do that now within the global pandemic. So how are you seeing the psychological safe space piece being adapted uh, to online?
1: First of all, the psychological safe space. I mean, I don't have many teams that I would consider psychological safe, right? So it's a concept that um, is out there in the books and um, Google is implementing it heavily, right? But if you look into teams and the conflicts and all of that stuff, if you really dig deep not many teams are psychological so are. safe spaces, right, mm-hmm. so if you got that up and running before we went into the pandemic, so the team I'm mm-hmm. working on had that kind of um, respect yeah, that kind of respect and that kind of closeness before, so we actually managed really good in the pandemic because everyone then was also able to open up about their fears about the problems they have like caring um, caring for their ch- children or whatever mm. right so so that actually that helped like surviving the pandemic right mm. but um if it hadn't been there before it's like really difficult to build that yeah. um remotely
0: and it's harder for new starters than if they're working fully remotely yeah. Yeah. I just did a coaching call there with somebody before the call and they're they've been working in a role for coming up to about eleven months and they've never met any of their team members and a lot of their team members don't like to turn on the webcam and they're mm-hmm. like so it's literally just a voice uh in their headphones and they said it's really difficult, you know, I'm I'm living miles away from them. Don't know what they're like, you know, we're not even connected on LinkedIn. It's it's hard. It, it is a harder time for organizations to build this kind of this kind of approach.
1: Yeah, definitely. What we did is also did kind of for special meetings or when we mm. really had stuff to to resolve. We did also um, meetings outdoors and like having mm. like having a walk and discussing the stuff then or. Um also the classical yearly reviews and stuff, like also doing that outside and so that you can actually meet. Yeah. And having some some um yeah, time together.
0: Yeah. And we're we're a big fan of the word essentials on uh this is doing in case anyone hasn't figured that out, is Journey Map Essentials, which is the one I run. And you've got uh was it Agility Essentials or Essentials of Agility, which is nearly sold out. Um it's in December but um who who fits the 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 kind of target for for that kind of course, and what would they get out of it?
1: We are aiming for the um for the participants to really understand like what's beneath all of those agile methods. you'll get methods right, but mm-hmm. also looking deeper into the values and how to actually work in. Um, the agile practice within teams so if you're sitting in an agile team if you're working with agile teams it helps you to really understand the baseline Mm -hmm. of agility but also what mindset needs to be implemented what is is the value and the principles um, underneath it so that you can actually reflect on on the status of your team and may also spot potentials for your own teams to evolve, to change. Mm. So that's our aim for that course.
0: Yeah, it's in December the 1st, I think it kicks off. So there's a couple of spots um, available to join Daniela and Ole, um, also in Germany, I think as well. Yeah. Look, Daniela, it was always great to speak with you. Um, if people want to uh, connect with you, I'll put a link to your LinkedIn post as well and also put a link to the course as well folks if you've got any questions for us about anything to do with agile um i'll put a a a link in there so you can email us a question we'd love to you know carry on the conversation and what it means to be agile in your organization how are you doing it so feel free to drop myself and danielle an email and we'd love to hear from you danielle thanks so much for your time
1: it was a pleasure thank you for inviting me
0: So there you have it. If you liked this episode, feel free to visit thisishcd.com where you can access our back catalogue of over 100 episodes with episodes related to service design, product management, design research, and much, much more. If you're interested in design and innovation training, feel free to check out our business, thisisdoing.com, where you can join online classrooms and learn from the world's best design and innovation leaders. Join the This Is HCD newsletter, where you'll receive updates from the network. And also, if you're interested, apply to join the Slack community on thisishcd.com. Stay safe and until next time, take care.